Turn to Acts 9 with me, if you would, as they're making their way out. want to look at uh, probably one of the biggest events of the whole New Testament this morning. And probably the, one of the greatest, uh, probably the, the, the greatest act, uh, uh, greatest event in the history of the church. I'm talking about an Acts where the church was created. Um, is, of course, the Holy Spirit coming on Pentecost. And we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We feel his presence with us. He comforts us and guides us. But probably that second biggest event, as far as having the most impact on Christians around the world, was the conversion of Saul. And Saul would be an example. We'll see his testimony at the end of our service today. And Saul said, man, I I was the worst of the worst. He said, I was the worst sinner that I could possibly be. And Jesus saved me. And what I love about the story of Saul, who later became Paul, is that when you talk to someone that says, Brother Todd, you you don't know. You don't know what I've done. You don't don't know my past. You don't know where I failed. You don't know. Jesus would not save me. And I point him to a man named Saul, a man that was killing Christians. And God, God got a hold of him and changed his life. And in doing so, he, he created and ordained a man that would go on mission journeys to, at that time, the other parts of the earth and tell the good news, the gospel. And because of Paul, we're probably sitting here today enjoying salvation as Gentiles. Remember, anyone that's not a Jew is a Gentile, and that's us, unless you're a Jew this morning. A Jewish descent. And so Paul's main ministry for all his life would be to the Gentiles. And so it is a big, big, big event. You see our title this morning, and, and this really jumped off the page at me this morning, especially when you talk about salvation today. And I talked about it last week with uh, Philip and the Ethiopian, but there's still a whole bunch of people out there. There's a whole lot of people out there trying to get in their mind that I can be, I've got to be good enough, I've got to understand it all, I've got to grab a hold of it, I've got to, I, 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 i got to do something to get me to heaven. You talk to people and you say, are you going to go to heaven when you die? I hope so. I hope I can do enough good. I hope that God will find me worthy. I hope, I hope that I can, I can be what God wants me to be. And all the while, they're, they're missing the point. Because, see, if, listen to me, if we can get good enough, if we can finally arrive someday, if we finally can do enough good things to get us into heaven, guess what? This right here is totally useless. The cross is totally useless. And there's people, and just like Paul, which was Saul, Saul was stumbling over the cross. He was was a Jew of the Jews. He was a very smart, educated man. He he was one of the most educated men ever. He knew the Jewish customs and religion, and he knew the laws, and he knew all the things he was supposed to do, and he worked day and night trying to do the right things. And he just couldn't accept that an old boy from Nazareth could rise up and be God's son, and God sent him here to die on a cross for his sins. He thought there was something he had to do. 
And Paul stumbled over the cross. And 2,000 years later, people are stumbling over the cross. They're, 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 they're negating the cross. They're saying it's not important because somewhere in the lair, I've got to be good enough. Somewhere in there, I can do this. I can get over the hump. And folks, I'm telling you, everyone in this room, myself included, we're just sinners. We're just sinners. We're sinners. We don't like that word. We like to say, well, I made a mistake. Folks, we sin, amen? We just sin. And the only way that we can find our way back to a holy God is that someone rescue us. And someone did. His name is Jesus Christ. He rescued us. He paid the price on that cross. Not so you can try to be good enough. Not so you can earn your way to heaven because you can't. Ephesians 2 says, it's not of yourselves, it's a gift. Not of yourselves because no one can boast in. I can't say I'm a better Christian than you. You can't say you're a better Christian than me. We're all in the same boat. We're all saved to the grace of Jesus Christ. Please understand that today. And Paul was missing it. He was missing it. And he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was doing the right thing by killing these people from the way. Well, let's look at it together. Acts 9. Acts 9. Meanwhile, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, that's Paul, before he got changed, was still breathing out murderous threats. Now, he wasn't just threatening, it was murderous threats. He wanted them dead. He said, we've done, we've done killed this man from Nazareth, this, someone they lifted up. He was just an ordinary man. He said they crucified a nobody and they were calling him the Messiah. He said, according to the law, anyone hung on the tree is cursed. He's doing all these things from his law. And this is what Paul's thinking. This is what Saul's thinking. How can that man be the Messiah? Any, I've read my Bible. He said that if anyone hangs on a tree, they're cursed. He said, would God take a false cursed prophet and make him Messiah? His disciples, it's not from God. Their power comes from Satan. They are dangerous, he says, and I intend to eliminate every one of them. That's what's his thought. This is what you get with murderous threats. This was what Saul's process was. This is what he was thinking. I'm going to do away with the whole bunch. You know, last week we talked about, or a few weeks ago, we talked about how they were scattered out of Judea and out of Jerusalem, and they were scattered because of persecution. And more than likely, Paul was right in the middle of this. He'd already wiped out the sect in Judea for the most part, and now he was going to head out of town and head to another place, and he was headed to Damascus. Damascus was about a week's journey back in those days. It took you about a week to get north of Jerusalem up towards Syria, where Syria is now. Damascus is still there, but there was a lot of Christians there. And most people believe there was 30 or 40 synagogues in Damascus. Now remember that they didn't make the clean break till a while longer, so they were still believers, but they were still going to their old traditional synagogues, and that's where they would find them. They would meet there, and they would talk about Jesus. And so Saul said, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, W, capital W-A-Y, the way, that was the believers. Jesus said, what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So anyone that was of the way, 
whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Saul's life is fixing to change. As we sung a while ago the song, Marvelous Light, my dead heart now is beating. Before Saul, before Paul, was, when he was Saul, he didn't have a heart. He didn't have a heart for God. He sure didn't have a heart for other Christians. But I'm telling you what, the Lord was fixing to do CPR on him. And it was starting to beat for Christ real quick. A bright light. They're riding in on the horses, and I'm telling you, Saul is riding in on a high horse. You know what happens when you ride on a high horse? You're usually going to get knocked off. And this time, it wasn't somebody else doing it. It was, it was the Lord himself. He was going to show him proof positive that I am still alive. And he was coming into Damascus. A light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. There you go, from high horse to the ground in about 30 seconds. Just a few seconds. Boom. Not even 30 seconds. Two seconds. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That's in red letters. Do you know who he's seen? He's seen the resurrected Christ. He's seen Jesus Christ. The one that he thought was a nobody from Nazareth. The one that he thought everybody following him was crazy. The one that he thought that they nailed to a cross and killed and he was in a grave somewhere up around Jerusalem somewhere. That he's seen him alive. He's seen him alive. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. In just that few seconds, from riding in on the high horse, to being knocked to the ground, to seeing the bright light, to coming face to face with Jesus Christ, Saul discovered a few things. He discovered, number one, that Jesus was alive. And it was a real deal. Jesus was alive. Number two, he was a lost sinner who was in danger of God's judgment. What did he say there? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. We discovered these same things when we were saved, y'all. We discovered that Jesus is alive. Maybe we thought we knew that. Maybe we'd heard that or sometime. But until it becomes personal, until it becomes personal, we really don't believe it like we should. And here it became personal. And another thing he discovered that day is when measured by God's holiness, Saul's good works and his self-righteous legalistic ways were just like filthy rags to God. Remember how he was trying to get to heaven? Not through the cross, but through being good enough. Self-righteous. Self-righteous. He found out that that wasn't going to work. His self-righteous ways, they were just like filthy rags. That's why we don't try to get ourselves to heaven. That's why we don't try to earn our way to heaven. It just don't work. When me, when I, as a sinner, when I, me, as, with all the sin in my life, come before a holy God, it's a wonder I don't just get vaporized. But because of Jesus Christ, because of his death on the cross, because of when I said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord and boss of my life, I can approach a holy God, not on, not Hum, you know, humbly I want to be, but he said in the Bible, you can come to me with all boldness. How in the world could I go before a holy God with boldness? 
only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Verse 7, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. They knew something was going on. And, and to me, this almost speaks to the personal thing that it is. Usually when you were saved, maybe it was just you. Maybe there was a group there, if it's camp or something. But usually God's just, he's just, it's just you and him. And anytime you're saved, really, it's just you and him. Even if there's a preacher there talking to you about it, showing you his word, it's just you and God. And it was just him. These guys were around. They could hear something going on. They, they were knocked to the ground too, but they didn't understand. It wasn't their time. We don't really know if these men later found Christ. This could have been a turning point in their life too. But this day was just for Saul. This was for Saul. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. Isn't it amazing when he could see physically, he was blind spiritually. But now that he could see spiritually, he was blind physically. Isn't it amazing the way God works sometimes? I think, I think God wanted to just take him and, and just deal with his heart for a few days. He had a lot of things to get through. But you notice here what's great about this, guys, is he didn't say, Saul, Saul, you change all the ways you're doing, and then I'll come and be your Savior. What did he do first? He changed Saul's heart. And then he said, we'll go to work on the rest. Now, he had a lot of baggage to get through. He thought he was righteous. He thought he was doing all the right things. He thought killing Christians was of God. When we're saved, there's a lot of things we got to get through. There's a lot of habits we got to break. There's a whole lot of things we got to change. But listen to me, folks. Don't try to change all those things and then come to God. Come to God and let him change you. Because he'll do that. He'll change you. You don't have to change on your own. It's amazing to think about that. What, what a humbling sight. This man that was spewing out murderous threats, the man that rode in to Damascus almost to, on his high horse, now is, is humbled. He went from a roaring lion to a, to a meek little lamb. Look here. Look what they had to do. He opened his eyes, he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. You talk about a humbling experience. Guys, listen, we cannot go into the presence of God and through salvation with a proud heart. Saul was humbled that day. He was humbled. This is not about us, this is about God. And he went from screaming and hollering and roaring till they, can you see the picture? They're, these guys are leading him into town by his hand. He is at their mercy. He's being led by them, and you can see that. And all of a sudden, this once proud man is humbled by God. What a picture as we see God changing this man's life. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. There's that three days again. Hmm. Kind of reminds you of another three days, doesn't it? Jesus laid in the grave. Three days, Jonah was in the Bell, uh, belly of the, of the great fish, the whale. Three days. Always very significant every time we see that. Verse 10, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Now, understand what's about to happen here. These folks know all about Saul. 
Saul. They don't know about Paul yet, but they know about Saul. And he's about to ask this common layman, this common man, he said, I want you to go and confront the man that's killing everybody. Sure, Lord, I'll do that real quick. Look what he said. The Lord told him, or first of all, he said, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And then begin to listen to Ananias' argument with the Lord. Has the Lord ever asked you to do something and you argue with him? You know, I've told you all about my calling to the ministry. And, and me and him argued for about four or six months. I don't know how many arguments we had going between here and Sherwin-Williams, Jonesboro, and back and back and back and back. Lord, I hear you, but I ain't listening. I hear you, but I don't want to do that. We argued. Lord, there's somebody else qualified. And here, Ananias begins to argue with God. I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with all the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Lord, you want me to go see who? Saul. Saul, the one that just drug a bunch of Christians out in Judea and Jerusalem and killed them all? The one that's putting everybody in prison? This man's crazy. Saul, I heard he's got, got high papers from the high chief priest that he can come and arrest us all. Lord, are you sure? Lord, you want me to go talk to my neighbor? You know how mean they are? You know how many people they told off last week? Lord, you want me to go talk to them? Lord, you, you want me to talk to my daddy? My daddy tells me what to do and what not to do. Yes. Yes, I do. Because, again, it's not about you. It's about just being faithful. Just being faithful. In, in verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. <laughs> go, with an exclamation point. Don't wait. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. That's the first time we're mentioned right there. To claim, proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. It's by grace. Let me ask you something. By reading that verse, this is my chosen instrument. Did, did, did Saul choose God? God chose him. He chooses us. He chose to die on the cross for all of us so that all of us could have eternal life. He chose us. It's grace. Grace. When I give you something, if I give you a $100 check right now, it's, it's just me giving it to you. You don't have to earn it. You go, oh, there's something, you know, in our world today, oh, I, I got to do something. You know, there's a trick here. It's, there's something going on here I don't understand. Why are you just going to give it to me? Because I love you. Take that and multiply it 10 gazillion times. Jesus Christ said, I got something for you. You don't have to earn it. I just want you to trust in me. I want you to believe that I can save you. It's grace. It's my grace. It's my great love for you. And I just want to offer it to you. Will you take this gift and unwrap it? 
You don't have to understand it all right now. I'll help you. I'll take you through it. You don't have to be the perfect person. I'll help you with that. It's just by faith. Believe that I am who I said I am. Believe that I died on the cross for you. Believe that I'm coming back someday. If you believe that with all your heart, you can be saved. It's a gift. Saul was chosen by grace. He had been saved. I will show him, verse 16, how he must suffer for my name. That's kind of an ominous verse. Listen, guys, I I wish I could just tell you that give your heart to Jesus and everything in your life is going to be great. You're not going to have another trouble. Your family's going to be perfect. Your job's going to be perfect. Your kids are going to be perfect. But I can't tell you that. Because this journey with Christ is not always easy, amen? Sometimes it's downright hard. Sometimes he asks us to do things that we don't think we have the ability to do. Sometimes sometimes we want him to just make everything right. And he said, I want you to go through these valleys so I can make you stronger. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Think about what Paul went through. Think about it. He was beaten, prisoned, beaten again, threw rocks at him. He walked and and journeyed, sometimes by ship, but a lot of his missionary trips were just walking, walking and walking and walking. He didn't have airplanes and cars and everything. Everywhere he went, he, he had his past to deal with. For a while, it, it took him a while just to even trust him. He'd come into a town and they'd go, oh, there's Saul. You know what he did. You all better hide. There's Saul. It took him a while just to get over all that. The Lord never promised it'd be easy. But he did promise he'd be faithful. And guys, someday, the Bible says in Revelation, for those that overcome, that those that make it to the end, that keep on keeping on for Jesus Christ, will, will have eternity with him forever and ever. And it will surely be worth it. It will be worth it. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mercy. Here, a man that was a murderer, mean, vicious, seeking to kill the very people that Ananias stood for. Through the power of God. No other way you can explain this. Through the power of God, he walks in. He places his hand on his shoulder. And he calls him brother. You tell me that God can't change lives? You tell me that God can't change circumstances? Understand that sometimes, guys, we hear these stories so often that they, they kind of grow cold. But think about what he was risking. Think about what Ananias was risking. 
to walk into this man, to place his hand on his shoulder and say, Brother Saul, the Lord told me to come see you. And I want you to know, the Spirit's here. Be filled. Mercy. What a life-changing event. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And oh man, what came in the next years was unbelievable. You notice a little bit different here about what we've been seeing with the the Jews and things in Jerusalem about the process here. You know, we've been seeing like salvation, baptizing, laying on the hands for the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden now we see a difference in that. Same salvation, same believing in Jesus Christ. Then the Holy Spirit came, then baptism came. God working with the hearts of different men to get them to understand what's happening in his great, great plan. In closing, a few things we need to know real quick. God can use even the most obscure saint if he'll be faithful. If, if Ananias would have said no, we wouldn't even know who Ananias was this, these days. Many thousands of years later, we read about a man named Ananias, just a common everyday layman. Wasn't a preacher, wasn't a pastor, just someone that was faithful to the Lord. And he was blessed to get to go in and pray lay his hands on Saul and see the change that was in this man's life. Another thing we should notice from this, we should never be afraid to do God's will. Now, guys, I know our fears overtake us sometimes, but I just believe if God asks you to do something, he's going to give you the power and the ability and the wherewithal to do that. Ananias had to be scared to death. He didn't know if he was walking into an arrest. He didn't know if he was walking into to death. He didn't know what he was walking in, but he just knew this. He knew that God asked him to do it, and he wanted to go. I'm sure he walked in a little slow. I can almost see him peeking around the corner. He's trying to see, you know, if Saul's ready to arrest him with some other soldiers. He's just kind of going in. But it must have been very soothing to walk, walk in and see him praying to the Lord. He had to see something had changed. I also love how we see that God's works are always balanced. We, you notice how we go from a, a big dramatic scene to the bright light, and he's knocked off the horse and a voice from heaven, and man, that's like movie star stuff, you know, big stuff. And then we go into a quiet room, just very, very quiet, very subtle. Just Saul and Ananias. God's work's always balanced. Listen, some people get chasing God because they like all the excitement. They like it loud and strong and woohoo and exciting. And the minute the excitement wears off, they go, well, this ain't very fun. I'm going to go try something else. Listen, the Lord is balanced. Yes, believe me, there'll be excitement in your life about Jesus. But there'll be times when it's just you and him and you're in the room and it's just as quiet as a mouse and you just listen to that still small voice and he'll speak to you in a mighty way. Sometimes that still small voice speaks way louder than that thundering voice from heaven sometimes because we've got to listen. He's got to get our attention. Make sure you take time to be quiet with the Lord. Another thing, the hand of God pushed Saul from a high horse. That's very big, very bold. 
from high horse to down on the ground. But then we see the balance of that. We see the gentle touch of Ananias' hand on his shoulder. Brother Saul, the balance of our Lord and Savior. And then another thing, never underestimate the value of one person brought to Christ. Now, think about what we've seen over the last few weeks in Acts. And 2,000 souls were added daily. And 3,000 souls were added this day. And, and another 1,000 here and another 100 here. But all of a sudden, it narrows down. Last two weeks, we've just talked about one-on-one. We talked about Philip and the Ethiopian. And this week, we talk about Saul and Ananias. Just one-on-one. Think about the lives that were impacted from this one man coming to know Jesus Christ. Sunday school teachers. Think about those kids that you're in front of every week. Think about what you're telling them. Adult Sunday school teachers, think about the difference that one person in that class could make for the Lord. Think about the Sunday school teacher that told Billy Graham about Jesus. Think about the Sunday school teacher that told Adrian Rogers or his grandmother or, or someone that told them about Jesus. Never underestimate the value of just one person coming to know Jesus Christ because they can change millions through the help of Jesus and his power and being faithful to him. Let me show you Paul's testimony in closing. He wrote this some 30 years later. Now, you see his story today in Acts 9. You can also see it in Acts 20 and Acts 26. We'll revisit. He loved to tell his story. It's a pretty powerful story. And he had to explain himself a lot because you go from killing people to telling about life. It took a while for people to pick up on that. But look at his testimony. This is 1 Timothy. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service. Even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. You know how lost people act? Lost people act like lost people. You know how Saul acted? He acted like a lost person. He said, I was a persecutor, I was a blasphemer, I was a violent man. But you showed mercy on me because I, I was lost. I didn't know. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. There's salvation. You notice what he didn't do? He, I, didn't get, I didn't get straightened up, but something got poured out on me. The grace of Jesus Christ was poured out on me. The faith. I had faith in him that, that yes, I believe what he did. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. We like to say, you know, I, I, I was lost, but I wasn't, I wasn't all that bad. Saul didn't mess around with that. He just said, I was worst. I was the worst of all of them. All, God could never save me. Folks, he just saved a murderer. He just saved a blasphemer that we've just witnessed here. He changed a man's life. You don't think he can change your life the same way? He can. It's the same God. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. 
Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the whole, only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Whoo, what a testimony. What a testimony. He said he used me for an example, guys. He's using me for an example. He showed great patience with me. I wasn't worth killing. I wasn't worth killing. I was out killing his people. I wasn't worth it, but he showed great patience with me so that he might use me as an example for all to see that no matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've been through, you can know Jesus Christ as Savior. Please hear that today. If you hadn't heard anything I've said this morning, please hear this. You can be saved no matter what you've done. And for all of us sitting in this room that we know Christ as Savior, we are to be on our knees thanking him for saving us because we had a, a ticket to nowhere. We had a ticket to, to perish. We had a ticket to persecution and execution, and he gave us life. And we were sinners, and he changed our life. Maybe you didn't hear a big, bright voice. Maybe you didn't get knocked off a horse. Maybe you didn't hear that loud voice, from, but you heard that still call, voice calling you and the Holy Spirit drawing you, and you answered that call, and he saved you, and you're just as saved as Paul was. And now he asks us to tell the good news. Here's what it's about right here, guys. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever is whoever. Put your name in there. Put your name in there this morning. If you call upon him, he'll save you. Paul said, look at me as your example. Look what he did for me. He'll do the same for you. Sometimes we think, man, I've messed up so bad. Man, I, 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 I gave my heart to Jesus and I'm just this big failure. and I've not done near the things that he wanted me to do. Guys, just, just say, Lord, forgive me. And Lord, use me. And let, let me be faithful to you. And he'll do some great things through you. Now, you may not be a missionary to all the countries in the world like Paul was. But you know what? He may use you to lead someone to Christ that may be the next pastor of this church someday. Another Sunday school teacher someday. Another music director someday. He may lead you to tell someone about Christ so they can grow up to be a great Christian parent. A great Christian husband. You see how it is important for each one of us, no matter how insignificant we feel, that we reach someone, and that someone is very important in the eyes of God. Very important. Was it easy for Ananias to go to that house that day? Just because he lived on Straight Street, that don't mean he wanted to go there. But he went. He was faithful. And God blessed him. Can you imagine? I was there. Can you imagine Ananias? I was there. I was there today that, that fell from Saul's eyes and he was changed. And we hugged. And I baptized him. His life was changed. You've never seen anything like it. He came into town as a killer and he left as the giver of life through Jesus Christ. Wow. Give me some of that. That's what Ananias was saying. Imagine, he probably could have started preaching right then because he's seen a life-changing event. Guys, may we be excited when people give their heart to Jesus. May we be excited that we know Christ. May we not feel like it's a drudgery. Oh, oh, I don't, oh, I don't know about being saved. You can't do this, and you can't do that, you can't do that. Is that all we've relegated Christendom to? Is that all we look at is what we can't do? <sighs> Have mercy on us all. 
It's a great thing. I once was lost, but now I see. Let's pray. Now, Father, we come to you today and we're thankful. Lord, we don't deserve any of it. But, Lord, we thank you for the examples throughout your word. Men like Saul that became Paul and Peter and Abraham and Isaac. Lord, we were, we were all just sinners. We were human beings that had many flaws. But, Lord, you loved them. And you love us, and you use these men as great men of faith, and you want to use us just like that. Lord, help us not to stumble over the cross. Help us not to try to do it all on our own. Help us not to cheapen the, what was done on the cross and trying to figure out salvation on our own. Just go through Jesus. Go through you. Lord, help us to understand that. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for the message of Saul that became Paul. And thank you for the lives that were changed because of this one man. And Lord, we thank you for changing our life. Maybe today, Lord, you want to change another's life. We pray there's someone in this room that would come and give their heart to you today. And I pray that that would, what would happen. Lord, maybe there's some in this room that just want to come and thank you for saving them. Maybe they hadn't done that in a long time. Lord, we just want to lift our voices together and thank you for salvation. Lord, thank you and just be with us now in this time of decision. In your name we pray. Amen.